The benefits in real estate investing are so powerful, they do so purely for tax benefits. By investing in real estate, they can also take advantage of significant write-offs and then apply those to other taxes that they owe, thereby decreasing their overall tax bill. We have plenty of people in the flipping world that still flip a lot of properties, make a good amount of money, and then they invest that active income into these syndications so that they can reduce their taxable income on their flips. I mean, this is how real estate tycoons make millions of dollars and then owe nothing in taxes. Welcome to the Free From Wall Street podcast, where we share how we have done over $200 million in real estate deals to create, preserve, and pass on generational wealth without the roller coaster ride of the stock market. If you're ready to start investing with purpose, visit freefromwallstreet.com. But for now, let's dive into this episode. Welcome back to the Free From Wall Street podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about seven eye-opening things that every passive real estate investor should know about taxes. So if you're a lot like me, the last thing you want to talk about when thinking about investing is taxes. It's way more fun to think about all the potential luxury vacations you'll take, the new cars you're going to buy, than to think about taxes that you're going to be paying, right? Well, I'm here to tell you that when you start out investing in real estate, it's okay that your taxes aren't on your mind. That's because unlike when you invest in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and some of the other things that we talk about on the show, investing in real estate tends to make your tax bill lower, not higher. You heard me right. Investing in real estate can often help lower the amount of taxes that you owe even when you're making great returns on your investment. How is this possible? I mean, I asked myself the same question, and this is really what led us to getting into these types of uh, transactions. There's a huge difference in the way that the IRS views stock market gains and the way that they view real estate gains. And that's exactly what we're going to discuss today, specifically from the standpoint of a passive real estate investor in one of our syndications. Okay, so first, the disclaimer. I am not a tax professional, nor do I play one on TV, nor will I ever seek to become one. Those people have uh, tough jobs, and I love numbers, but not like they do. As such, the insights and perspectives provided in this podcast come generally from my own experience. You should definitely talk to your own CPA for details and specifics on your own situation. Everybody's tax situation is slightly different. So we're going to give you some generic things to think about. So let's dive in. So I think you've heard us talk a lot about active income, passive income. Now we're going to start talking about the difference in gains. Like when you have a passive gain in a stock market, passive gain in a real estate investment, and what those things look like. So I think that there's seven main things that every real estate investor in a real estate syndication needs to know. The tax code favors real estate investors. I mean, you have to know that, right? Presidential debates with Donald Trump, it has come up a ton. As a passive investor, you get all the tax benefits of an active investor, though, which is crazy. Depreciation is really powerful. Cost segregation is depreciation on steroids. We'll get into that. Capital gains and depreciation recapture are something that you definitely have to plan for. And 1031 exchanges are another way to increase that benefit. And some people just invest in real estate for the tax benefits. So number one, tax code favors real estate investors. 
Now, you probably heard that most people, more people come become millionaires through investing in real estate than through any other path. And believe it or not, the tax code plays a significant role in that. The IRS recognizes how important real estate investing is. It provides quality housing for people to live in, and as such, the tax code is written in such a way that it rewards real estate investors for investing in real estate, maintaining those units, making upgrades over time, and uh, you know a litany of other things that we do as investors. So as a real estate investor, you're kind of like the IRS's teacher's pet. Come on, there's worse things than being the IRS's teacher's pet, right? So number two, as a passive investor, you get all the tax benefits that an active investor gets. This is a big deal because this means that even though you're not actively swapping out toilets or evicting people or climbing on roofs, you still get the same tax benefits, whether you're an active or a passive investor. That's good news for you. It's good news for me too, because we we invest passively as well. So this is because as a passive investor in the real estate syndication, you invest in an entity, right? Either an LLC or an LP that owns the property. And that entity is regarded in the eyes of the IRS as pass-through entities, which means that any of the tax benefits that flow into the LLC flow back directly to you, i.e. the investors. This is different than investing in a REIT, right? A real estate investment trust is almost like a mutual fund of real estate that if you go to your financial advisor and say, hey, I want to invest in real estate, he's going to put you in a REIT. But with REITs, you're investing in a company, not directly into the underlying real estate, and you don't get all the same tax benefits. Go ahead. Go ask them. I'll tell you. Uh, Common tax benefits from investing in real estate include being able to write off all the expenses related to the property, like repairs, utilities, payroll, interest, mortgage interest, and being able to write off the value of the property over time. That is called depreciation. So let's focus on depreciation for a minute because it's a huge, powerful idea that you really need to understand. So how powerful is depreciation? I would argue that it's one of the most powerful wealth building tools in real estate period. Depreciation lets you write off the value of an asset over time. This is based on the wear and tear and the useful life of an asset. So the IRS allows you to write off a certain percentage of that asset every single year, right? So let's just do a simple example. Let's say you just bought a new laptop. On day one, laptop works great. Over time, keyboard gets sticky, processor slows down, the battery barely lasts, you know, a couple minutes. Eventually, the whole thing goes kaput, and it's going to be worth very little, if anything. This is the essence of depreciation. Things lose value over time. Essentially, the IRS is acknowledging that if the property is used day in and day out, and if you do nothing to improve that property, that over time, the property will succumb to natural wear and tear, and at a certain point in the future, the property will become uninhabitable, just like when the laptop eventually dies. As you can imagine, every asset has a different lifespan. You wouldn't expect a laptop to last more than a few years. On the flip side, you would expect a house to still be standing several years or even decades after you bought it. For residential real estate, the IRS allows you to write off the value of the property over 27 and a half years. 
Now, a quick note on this, only the property itself is eligible for depreciation, not the land. So the IRS is smart enough to realize that land will still be there after 27 and a half years and will probably be worth the same or more. So this is just talking about the structure of the property. So let's get into an example. Let's say you purchase the property for a million dollars. Let's say that land is worth 175000 and the building is worth 825000 with the most basic form of depreciation known as straight line depreciation, you can write off an equal amount of the 825000 every year for 27 and a half years, which means that each year you can write off about thirty grand due to depreciation, right? That's thirty grand times 27 and a half years gets you to 825000 The reason that this is such a big deal is let's say that the first year you make $5,000 in cash on cash returns, right? Maybe cash flow as you call it. So if you make five grand in cash flow on that property, instead of paying taxes on the five grand, you get to keep it tax-free. Yes, really. <laughs> I know. When I first started listening to this stuff myself, I was really surprised. So do what I did, which is contact your CPA and say, hey, is this right? Because it is, and he'll tell you so, and you need to hear it from him or her. So that 30 grand in depreciation means that on paper you lost money when in reality you made five grand. So properties acquired after September 27th, 2017 are eligible for what we call bonus depreciation, which is really putting the tax benefits on steroids. So, and we can get into that in this next section, which is about cost segregation. So, but wait, there is more. Bonus depreciation, cost segregation, bonus depreciation. So we just talked about something called straight line depreciation, which allows you to write off an equal amount of the value of the asset every year for 27 and a half years. But for most of the real estate syndications we invest in, the whole time is just five years. So if we deduct an equal amount every year for 27 and a half years, we'd only get the first five years of those benefits. We'd be leaving the remaining 22 and a half years of depreciation benefits on the table, which we don't like to do. So this is where cost segregation comes in. And we do a cost segregation study on every deal that we do. Cost segregation acknowledges the fact that not every asset in the property is created equal. For example, the printer in the back office has a much shorter lifespan than the roof on top of the building. In a cost segregation study, an engineer itemizes every individual component that make up the property including things like outlets, wiring, windows, carpets, light fixtures, faucets. Certain items can be depreciated on a shorter timeline, 5, 7, 15 years versus the 27 and a half years. This can drastically increase the depreciation benefits in those early years. So let me give you another example, and this one is based on a true story. A few years ago, a real estate syndication group purchased an apartment building in December of that year. That means that the investors only hold the asset for one month of that calendar year. However, due largely to cost segregation, the depreciation schedule was accelerated for many items that were part of the property, including things like landscaping and carpeting into that first year. You hear us talking about scrambling to get these things in service by the end of the year, and this is the reason why. So the K-1 that got sent out to all of those investors the following spring showed that if you invested hundred grand in that real estate syndication, you showed a paper loss of $50,000.
That's 50% of your original investment as a paper loss for holding the property for just a single month of that tax year. This is a big deal. This helps offset a lot of your taxable income. Now, if you're a real estate professional, and you could look up and talk to your CPA about what that is, that's a, that's a tax designation, that paper loss can apply to the rest of your taxes, including any taxes that you owe based on your salary or any other side gigs that you're doing or other investment gains. Again, this is individualistic, so you have to talk to your CPA about it, but it is a game changer because it lets you keep a lot more of your money. Who knows that Uncle Sam is your number one business partner? All right, so number five, capital gains and depreciation recapture are things that you should plan for. I mean, we know that there's good tax benefits, but we didn't think that real estate investing would be tax-free, right? Unfortunately, the IRS likes to be included in everything, but the benefits far outweigh what you do have to end up paying. But in real estate investing, the way that they get their cut is through capital gains taxes when a real estate asset is sold, and sometimes through depreciation recapture depending on the sale price. If a real estate syndication that holds a property for five years, you wouldn't have to worry about capital gains and depreciation recapture until that asset is sold in year five. But what happens in year five? Well, the specific amount of capital gains and depreciation recapture depends on the length of the hold time as well as your individual tax bracket and the profit that was made on that property. So again, this is uh, a lot of things that have to be taken into account. But the tax brackets and percentages are based on the 2018 tax law, right? So if you made zero to $77,000, that's your income, you have a 0% capital gain. 77 to 479,000, 15%. More than 479, then you have a 20% capital gain tax. So number six, 1031 exchanges are amazing. So new president coming in this year, he might do away with the 1031, but we need to touch on it in case he doesn't. I don't know if he will. When a real estate asset is sold, the capital gains are due, and this and how you avoid those capital gains is through what they call a 1031 exchange. It allows somebody to sell one investment property and within a set period of time, swap that asset out for another like-kind investment property. Doing so means that instead of having the profits paid to you directly, you roll them into the next investment. And because you haven't taken control of those profits, it's not taxable yet. right? So as such, you don't owe any capital gains when that property is sold. So only some real estate syndications will actually allow you to offer, will offer a 1031 exchange option into it. So this is where it can get a little sticky in syndications. You either have to go all or go none, meaning you all have to agree to do a 1031. You can't just do a 1031 on your shares in a real estate syndication. Now there are other options, what they call monetized installment sale are becoming more prevalent that t that are going to take the place of 1031s. Look up monetized installment sales to make sure that you are understanding how you can also defer some of these taxes when and if the 1031 goes away. You'll see more and more real estate investors using that. So we're already looking for new different ways to benefit through the tax code that might not be as direct as a 1031. And number seven, some people invest solely for tax benefits and this is the truth. I have plenty of people that I know that are scrambling to put money to work because they don't want to pay the tax on it, right? The benefits in real estate investing are so powerful, they do so purely for tax benefits, 
By investing in real estate, they can also take advantage of significant write-offs and then apply those to other taxes that they owe, thereby decreasing their overall tax bill. We have plenty of people in the flipping world that still flip a lot of properties, make a good amount of money, and then they invest that active income into these syndications so that they can reduce their taxable income on their flips. I mean, this is how real estate tycoons make millions of dollars and then owe nothing in taxes. It's perfectly legal. It's one of the most powerful wealth building strategies that we know of. And you don't have to be wealthy to take advantage of these tax benefits of investing in real estate due to these syndications. The tax code makes the benefit of investing in real estate available for everybody. So this is one of the reasons that we stopped flipping and got into this. You've heard us talk about it before. You know, when you don't have to worry about taxes or paying significantly less, your lifestyle can change, right? If you're basing your financial freedom number based on your taxable income and how much the government takes, that number is very different than if you're getting into a real estate syndication and you're paying a lot less in taxes, right? If I made 100000 and the government took forty, I need to figure out how to budget on 60000 But if I'm investing 100000 and I'm only paying 15% of capital gains tax, well, now I get to budget off of 85000 right? It's just a very different structure, and it's how over time you can accelerate your wealth building and pour gasoline on that fire. So hopefully this was helpful. Seven benefits of passively investing in real estate. If you haven't done so, go to freefromwallstreet.com, sign up for our investor club so that you can check out uh, some of our deals and some of the benefits. And we'll even run some scenarios with you and see if you can benefit and how you benefit from taxable wise. If you're not ready to sign up for the Investor Club yet and see deals, but you still want to learn more, go to freefromwallstreet.com or integrityhg.com and sign up for our Passive Real Estate Investing 101 course. It's a great email course that will give you some, you know, a number of good tips and tricks for investing in these types of syndications. So thanks for listening to the Free From Wall Street podcast once again. Can't wait to talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to the Free From Wall Street podcast. If you like what you hear, leave us a rating and review and let us know what you think.